It's been a year that's seen one or two massive cinematic events, but you can always count on dinosaurs to make a few very loud noises. Already the seventh highest grossing film of 2018, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is the work of Spanish director J.A. Bayona, who returns to soundtracking for a second sitting. You can, of course, listen to our previous conversations via edithbowman.com. Scored by Michael Giacchino, Fallen Kingdom is part adventure story, part haunted house thriller, with the two elements posing very different challenges for both director and composer. Then, of course, there was John Williams' classic Jurassic Park theme to consider. For reasons we'll discover, J.A. and Michael deployed it most sparingly, though it does feature in familiar form at the very end of the film. Oh, I loved it. I've got two boys <laughs> who are five and ten, and to say they're excited about seeing your film is an understatement. And I felt so guilty that I got to go and see the film without them, but I can't wait to, to take them to see it at the cinema. It's brilliant. And do you know what? Last time we spoke, I think you were just going into it. <laughs> you were just about to start, and you said the most brilliant thing. And you said, one of the things I'm most excited about is with films like Jurassic Park, there's just so much music. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of from speaking to you back in 2016 from Monster Calls and kind of seeing and hearing what you had to say, music is a big part of your life. You love scores, you love the music in films and, you know, seeing on your social media and putting up posts of listening to Johnny Greenwood's score for Phantom Thread and that, it's a big part of your world. Yeah, it is. I think somehow, sometimes at film school, we get obsessed with trying to find out what is the story about. And sometimes it's not a story, it's an emotion. And somehow movies, they are able to communicate emotions in a very similar way music does. 
And I think in that sense, uh, it's very interesting when you can play with a film in a way that you can tell ideas, you can explain ideas mm. that are abstract. Yeah. So you, it's more about planting the seed for the audience to interpret the story by themselves. And in that sense, sometimes we get too obsessed about the story, about the lines, about the, the message. Yeah. And, and, and I think some, uh, it's also very important the emotion that you want the, the people to feel and from and, and from that emotion you can provoke them to think about the story and, and and to interpret the story by themselves i wanted to ask about how much you think your previous films have influenced how you approached making jurassic world fallen kingdom because i see wonderful moments of all your previous films kind of within there really subtly but mm -hmm. you can i can kind of feel them i think but for you how much did they help you or influence you, would you say? It's kind of funny that you can find elements that were in my other movies. Uh, and the first time that Colin Trevorrow pitched me the story, I was very surprised about it. He told me that he thought about me because of the orphanage, that the second half of the movie was going to be like a haunted house yeah. uh, movie. And I, I was so seduced about that. I was so intrigued. Of course, I wanted to be involved in a Jurassic movie because I've been enjoying the Jurassic movies and Steven Spielberg movies since I was a kid. Mm. But then that was the thing that I felt attracted me the most to do this film. And it's funny, but it's true. We were able to find the connection between this adventure, huge, huge adventure yeah. in the island that you find in the first section of the movie. And then you move slowly into this kind of like even gothic horror film that I love and I feel very comfortable with. There's such emotion in this film. Was that all, you know, that was all written down in terms of with, with Colin's script, but I mean, I think your cast have brought so much to it in terms of their performances. I think in, 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 in Jurassic World, there's this uh, relation towards dinosaurs that is very interesting and, and we develop that relation. It's very interesting because we care about the dinosaur, but at the same time, we are scared of the dinosaur. Uh, and that establishes like a huge canvas of emotion uh, and contradictory. In, yeah. That makes it very suspenseful also. It's an animal that you care for, but at the same time it's an animal that can kill you. So it's, that's very interesting. I think that Blue in this movie is the heart of the story and this is something I, I told Colin and I, something I told Steven that we had to push for that. I think somehow it's a, it's a movie about empathy and it's about how we care about these dinosaurs. It's the first time we go to the island not to rescue people from dinosaurs, but to rescue the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very interesting. It reminds me a lot, when we start to talk about the story, remind me a lot uh, artificial intelligence, yeah. uh, which establishes the same debate somehow. Uh, in that movie, it was all about what would be the, our relationship towards uh, robots that can develop emotions. And it's interesting how the movie doesn't spend no more than four or five minutes in telling you how, how we create them. It's not about how we create them, it's about our relation to them. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, we've been four movies talking about how we create dinosaurs, and I thought it was a time to talk about what is going to be the relation towards the creatures now, towards the creatures that we had created in the past. It's very interesting, the premise, how there is this huge massive volcano about to erupt in Isla Nublar, putting the life of the last remaining dinosaurs on Earth in danger. So from the very beginning, it's very emotional. It's about what are we going to do? There's this moral debate. Are we going to give 
these animals the same protections and other species or are we going to let them die? That escape scene is brilliant. It's so, so great. I was, you're kind of literally on the edge of my seat kind of, <laughs> as they're nice. running and you're like, faster! Not just the humans as well, you know, the dinosaurs. You're kind of, um, oh, it's, it's great. And I don't want to kind of go into any detail because people who might be listening to this who haven't seen it yet, but when you were starting with the music for this film and uh, working with Michael on, on this, who I'm such a huge fan of, and I love the fact that, you know, you go way back to Michael's career and he, you know, he was composing the Jurassic Park games the music for the games way back before people really knew him for composing film scores but for you when did the conversations with him start and how did you know how to play it in terms of those you know we all know those big Jurassic Park themes uh, and knowing how much to use how much not to use how to use them well first of all uh, it's kind of funny but I I know Michael since uh, I, I know him a long time ago I met oh, him a wow. long time ago like 10 years ago um, we were in Ubeda in a film music festival in Spain yeah and it was a wonderful event that we spent like four days attending concerts of film composers and then after the concert we we used to hang out together and have yeah. drinks and talk about movies all night and, and, <laughs> until, until down, you know. So it, it was a very nice event. And we met each other then and we, we really get along together very well. He was even close to do the music for Penny Dreadful, the show that I did f yeah. for Showtime. He couldn't um, compromise himself to do the, the show. And, and Abel Korsanowski yeah. did the score for that and it was an amazing score. Yeah. I'm so happy that I, I had the chance to work with Abel. But we, we already talked about working together since then and suddenly we, I found myself involved in Jurassic and it was the perfect match. You know, finally, I was able to work with Michael. And you know, Michael and I, we talk a lot about movies. We talk about the directors that we like and the movies that we saw and the composers that we like. You know, we, and... It's, it was, again, like talking about the same things, but thinking about the story. Yeah. One thing that I love about Michael is that he only talks about the story. It's all about storytelling. And you can tell when you hear yeah. his music totally. how he all the time pushes the energy of the movie forward. I think he did a very, very brave score. It was not about if we were using the melody of John Williams that yeah. much or in that moment or that moment. He created the unique voice that this movie has was created by Michael. He created this kind of like adventure that very slowly turns into this horror movie, like a gothic horror yeah. movie. It's the, the, the work that he did with the choir is astonishing. I, I, am, I am so glad that, that uh, he was able to... to to bring his craft, his art, to this to this film and 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 create this uh, very unique, special voice that Fallen Kingdom has.
for you as a fan of you know music scores putting what you do as a job aside uh, were, were you there for you know recording of the orchestra and the choir sure and things? sure sure what's Wait. that like for you I mean, I don't understand. I mean, for me, like, like music is so important. It's mm. like, it's like a, another draft in in in, in the script. Yeah, for me. it's like like rewriting the story in a very emotional way. So I I was involved from the very beginning. We had conversations about what the music should sound. Not not many because as as I was telling you, Michael is more about the story. So yeah. we talk a lot about the story. We talk about the characters. One, one idea that I love uh, about the movie is that there's an, this new character, Macy, the little girl, yeah. and there is a, a new character too, which is the Indoraptor, the new dinosaur they created. And Michael used the same melody for both characters, and it's a very clever and smart yeah. uh, idea. Because somehow these characters, both both of these characters are rejected creatures. And, and he's creating this kind of like beautiful melody that turns from something very sweet and beautiful into this kind of like gothic, uh, horrific yeah. and ominous music to represent the Indoraptor. That, that, that was one of, one of the ideas that I, that I love from, from the very first thing that I heard from, from Michael. And another thing that uh, we work a lot is thinking about the sound of the movies that we saw, not just Jurassic Park, but dinosaur movies that we saw. Yeah. And it was fun, it was a lot of fun because I, one of the movies that I, I remember that I watched as a kid and it created an impression on me was uh, Mysterious Island uh, with all the, uh, the visual effects were done by Ray Harryhausen. And, and I, told, I told Michael that being this episode more scary and more suspenseful, I thought that why don't we go back to that sound of Bernard Herrmann and the sound that he created for the dinosaur movies or the monster movies that Ray Harryhausen did. And in that moment, he was thinking about the same, like, yeah, I'm thinking about that. And then I told him, I, I, I just heard the Mysterious Island score and it's incredible and he told me i am listening to it right now so we were wow. listening the same piece of music and i said okay michael i'm gonna, i'm not going to say anything else i mean we're totally in the same page so it's it's your it's, oh. your, it's your turn now
And then we talk a lot about uh, when should we use John Williams' music. Yeah. We really didn't like those movies that they use the melody uh, as a nostalgic element. Yeah. It needs to be. It needs to feel like the music from John Williams was integrated in yeah. Fallen Kingdom in a very... It's there for a purpose. Exactly. It's there for a reason. And there is a beautiful moment that you can oh. hear the, 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 the melody from... With the piano? From, yeah, from oh. John Williams uh, with the piano. There's, oh, a, there's a beautiful... Gorgeous moment. Exactly. There's a beautiful speech that Claire does where she talks about the first time we saw a dinosaur. And it's a beautiful scene, I think. Hopefully, uh, people will, will, will like it because Claire is talking about the first time she saw a dinosaur, but it's also talking about the first time we saw a dinosaur. Mm -hmm. And the first time we saw a dinosaur, there was that music from John Williams. So it's played in a very sweet and subtle way in that scene. And another thing that I love is uh, one very dramatic moment that we're not going to spoil here, mm -hmm. but it has to do with uh, with a dinosaur. In the last section of the big, massive volcano yeah. section of the movie. I know what one you're going to mean, yeah. Yeah, cool. and, yeah. And, and we, we hear the melody there, and it makes total, makes total sense because it's the same music that we heard the first time we saw a dinosaur too, in a very different way. And, and, and we, 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 we talk a lot about that with Michael, about when was the, the moment to, to, play the, to play the music. goes back to that thing about you know about it being music is, is part of the storytelling one of the things I can almost read from my notes from watching the film was how certain instrumentation can create 
a mood. So the choice of specific instruments are almost a voice yeah. in a way, whether it's strings or exactly. whether it's the piano and how they pull on so subtly, but just yeah. perfectly. And this is where Michael is uh, an incredible genius. I mean, the, you can tell how genius he is the way he interprets the story with the orchestra by choosing the right instruments, choosing the right mm, melodies, the right notes mm. that tells you exactly where the movie needs to be in terms of the story. And, and I, I was pretty overwhelmed about it. been lucky enough to go up to Air Studios a few times and watch things be recorded up there and it's kind of transcendental almost it's incredible for you to hear this part of your storytelling come into to life I guess you just kind of sit back and enjoy it yeah definitely uh, it's um I think it's my favorite moment in, in making a film when you sit down in front of the orchestra and they play the score because it's the first time you have something yeah. that can stand by itself. I mean, it's not it's not like I mean, cinematography you need to really see the whole movie to uh, and 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 editing is the same. And, yeah. But having the chance of listening to the to the to the orchestra and somehow play the emotions that we're, we, we were looking for from the very beginning. It's uh, my favorite moment in making a film. Do you play an instrument? No, they, no, <laughs> not really. I would love to. I would love to play the piano. I, I mean, I got a piano for Christmas. You just uh, got to learn to play it now. Yeah, so may, maybe as soon as I'll have some uh, free time, I, I'll try to get some lessons, but I, I, I don't know. It's very interesting. The question, the question uh, yeah. is very interesting because the editor is a musician, and you can tell when you see the when you see the cut, when you see the editing, you can tell that the editor is also a composer because uh, not a composer, a musician. Yeah. He plays the the violin because you can see the musicality of it and the way. I mean, I have a pretty clear idea of what the scene should be when I start to shoot shoot it, yeah. but then of course it changes in the edit and you can tell, you can see how somehow he's able to infuse this kind of musicality to the cut. And that's between not just the score, that's also between the soundscape of the film as well and also even, even the tapping, Yeah. which oh my god, talk about, you know how some films have a scary sound? The tapping for me. Exactly. Just... And that's one of the key elements of the movie. Uh, and I told Colin, I think in the center of the movie, we're going to give the audience what they want. Mm -hmm. And in the second half, we're going to give them what they don't expect. Mm. And I think that in that sense, the central piece of a movie, it's massive. It's like fireworks. It's the kind of thing that you expect from a Jurassic movie. Mm. But the second half, instead of going bigger, because you cannot go bigger than that, <laughs> yeah. it goes smaller. And we go from accumulation to building up and in a very different way. In that sense, silence is gold for those scenes. And I think that from the very beginning, uh, Michael understood that and he was 
pushing me yeah. to use more silence and less music, which is always nice, yeah. you know. And especially there's a scene that I love where you can see like a dinosaur sneaking through the window of, of a little girl in her bedroom. And that scene is almost silent. And we had so much fun doing the score for that because you can tell how scary the scene is while you're doing it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it, it was one of the best moments when we were working in the score together. You mentioned as well about the, the human voices that are used. It's a really effective way of, again, telling part of the story. Was that something that Michael kind of came up with an idea of, of that side of things? Yeah, very, very early in the process, he, he was uh, obsessed with the choir. Uh, and I think he did an amazing job. Mm. Um, there are moments in, in, the, in the story that are so enhanced by the, by the choir. And the choir sounds so good. It was so impressive to hear the choir. It's so effective. I was listening back to our, our previous chat and there was something you said that I thought was like, wow, I hadn't really thought about that before. And it was talking about the time frame within films and you kind of compared a couple of your own films uh, in the, you know, The Impossible was over a space of 72 hours, whereas mm -hmm. uh, Monster Calls was over a period of months and how that affects people's emotions differently and how you think about that when it comes to music as well and I guess this is over quite a short space of time really as well so that must have been part of the discussion that you had with regards to that kind of build in the film and yeah I think it's a very interesting question because it's true that suspense has to do a lot with focusing in very few elements yeah you know so from the moment you start to have a very long development of events with lots of locations and characters mm. you start to get more like a like an adventure you know, but from them, uh, it's more like something more playful, yeah. which is uh, somehow how the first section of the movie is. But then you focus in less locations. It's uh, the the movie becomes um, more claustrophobic in, in a more tight space, and you focus in less characters, and and that's when you start to create suspense. You know, uh, this is when you start to get rid of music, and then the music turns into something very different, more quiet.
and, and it's true. And, and it was something that Michael did so beautifully. It was so challenging at the beginning. You, I think one of the things that I like is that the, all the Jurassic movies mm. are moral tales. Yeah. They talk, they talk about the relation that man has towards science or nature. And they always tell you what is the right thing to do. It's, the, the Jurassic movies never blame science. They blame the use yeah. of science. Yeah. It's all about people doing the wrong thing with science. It's not about science. Science is a gift. So it becomes this kind of moral debate. But this movie makes something very interesting. It turns a moral tale into a moral fairy tale where you can find at the end of the story uh, you find the castle, the prince, uh, the big tower, the, yeah. and, and even the dragon. Yeah. You know? And, and, yeah. and I, w I thought it was a beautiful approach to a yeah. Jurassic story. Very different, mm -hmm. but also very similar in what we've seen before. Because if you think about the first Jurassic Park, it's also a movie that presents the T-Rex in a massive scene in the center, but then it focuses more and becomes more tight and claustrophobic with the velociraptors in the kitchen. Yeah. And it delivers. Uh, the, yeah. the suspense has, yeah. has been promising from the very beginning. And we're basically doing the same, following the same architecture in this new one. When we last spoke, you were um, Monster Calls was being released on the world and you must be incredibly happy and proud of the response that that film had and still kind of has on people. Yeah, I'm very proud of it, really. I think it's a beautiful movie. Uh, I think it, it talks about something that is more relevant than ever and it gets more and more relevant, which is speak the truth. I remember at that moment, we started to talk about fake news and, and talk about the truth, you know? Yeah. The truth is something valuable. The truth will save us. The truth is the, the only way that we have to deal with, with life in a, in a honest way. And, and that, that was what basically A Monster Cold was about. And that, that score as well, Fernando's. Yeah. It was just... Yeah. Fernando is an, an amazing composer. We just had the chance of uh, working with him again in a movie that I produced called Marrowbone. Okay. The Secret of Marrowbone that is going to be released here in UK in July. Is that with them? Um, who's the lead actor now? It's George, George Mackay and Anya Taylor. Yeah. Jo and, and Mia Roth. Uh, oh, wow. Mia Roth. And, um, and, it's, and Fernando has composed a beautiful score, probably the most beautiful score he has ever, wow. he has ever composed. Wow, I mean that's kind of high praise because you know what with it yours is. and Crimson Peak and all the others, it's kind of it is. <laughs> yeah. But but take a take take a look at okay, it. It's a beautiful score. Amazing, and um, Jay, it's always a pleasure. And congratulations again, and I very much look forward to seeing what's next for you. Okay, thank, thank you so you. much. Always Thanks a pleasure, Eddie. Bye. Thank you.
from Fernando Velasquez score to Marobon. That's the title cue, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with J.A. Bayona. My huge thanks to Senor Biona for taking the time to talk to us. Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom is on general release around the globe now, with Michael's score available via our good friends at Backlot Music. Now, if you'd like to listen to my previous conversation with J.A., head to edithbowman.com or iTunes, where you can also subscribe. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And do keep letting your friends know about us. Once again, thank you so much for all the congratulations this week after we picked up two gold awards at the New York Festival Radio Awards. We are beyond thrilled. But onwards and upwards. Joining us next week is the acclaimed British writer and director Clio Bernard, who most recently worked with PJ Harvey on her recent film Dark River. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then.